But but first of all, let me just kick things off properly and say welcome everybody to what is basically our first town hall event. But if you've been listening every Tuesday, you'll recognize a lot of similarities with the fireside type events we were doing previously. The idea is very much still the same, which is that we from Scrimber and sometimes some friends come here on the stage and we talk about things that are happening at Scrimber, some news, some rumblings, some of our thoughts about how to build a coding school and help you learn to code as efficiently as possible. But of course, being real time as well being here together it's an amazing opportunity for you to ask questions about Scrimba whether it's about the product the curriculum we have such a diverse range of people from Scrimba here from community to education and the courses as well as product and engineering including all three co-founders by the way so this is a brilliant opportunity to get your questions about Scrimba answered and of course since we are a coding school and everybody here is learning to code or learning a technology we're always keen to talk about various technologies or challenges you might be facing around learning to code or anything else you might be happening to work on so as always we're here in the stage channel and just above it there is a town hall dash chat text channel that's a great place to go if you have questions you can write them out at your own pace and yeah let's see the emojis flowing as well because when people write and share things it's great to sort of see everybody engaging with one another and in that spirit it'd be awesome if you haven't already just to say hello so we know you're there and we know you're listening along so yes, as for today, we're going to kick things off with just a little bit of news about Scrimba, some things that we've been working on over the last couple of weeks, um, both from the education, sorry, both in terms of courses, as well as things happening on the platform. I was thinking, Per, maybe you could sort of set the stage a little bit, since obviously this is something you, Cinder and Frodo, have been talking about today, and obviously something you do day in and day out as well. For sure. Uh Anything specific you want me to start with in terms of like uh, sharing latest news from from Scrimba? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. What's What's most exciting to you right now? Like, what's the first thing that came to mind? So, first things. Uh, since Sindra mentioned here the the strategy meeting today we had today, I reckon we could just bring up some themes from from exactly that because it was a really good and long and interesting discussion. At times, heated discussion between the three of us. Uh, as founders, uh, because on the right curriculum, and uh, some some things we did discuss, which we discussed before, but kind of uh, have had in the background for the last year, uh, basically, is uh, this notion of um, should when you're learning to code, should you um, double down, or, or how much computer science? should you learn versus how much um, hands-on library specific uh, skills should you learn and that's a balance we've been like thinking a lot about previously but lately in the career path we've focused very much on like the um the nitty-gritty details of react and the javascript libraries and uh, how, how to build things but we've not focused as much on the for example, data structures and algorithms and things like that. So today we had a really long discussion about how we can essentially um, create more courses and fill up the career path more with these more computer science-ish things. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that's one <laughs> thing that's been on my mind, uh, or all, all, all three of our, our minds um, today which definitely is interesting going forward. And also, which we are really interested in hearing from the audience here, like which which kind of core computer science subjects do you feel you are lacking in? And maybe not even computer science, but just programming in general. Like, um, where, do you, where do you feel uh, you're falling short uh, on those, uh, those skills, basically? How does something like this come up? Is it kind of maybe the thought process that to get your first job as a junior developer, these are the things that can maybe just push you over the edge and make you that little bit more hireable? Yeah, um, it is like, because it's a question whether when you're learning to code, should you uh, learn, uh, like if you learn the deep, uh, computer science subjects, you're in some way more, um, you'll become a more well-rounded developer. Uh, and it's important to understand uh, many of these things. 
but in terms of you know, like how universities do it, it's often far too much in that end, so that it becomes um, not connected to most likely the first junior job you'll get. Like you won't implement a, a binary search algorithm as a junior developer. Uh, uh, however, that's what uh, all university students studying computer science uh, learn. So kind of the, the question comes from like, what is actually needed the most? And, and maybe not, or, or actually, and the better way of phrasing it is, uh, what kind of skills do various types of personas need? Uh, it's different depending on where, uh, if you're a, a newbie trying to learn to code and get your first job as a developer um, versus uh, perhaps you're a consultant who are just curious about code and want to understand the underlying technology behind some of the uh, products you are uh, working on or, or, or building with developers. So yeah, uh, I'm not sure if that answered your question, but uh, <laughs> that, that's some of the like kind of some of the background for for those discussions uh, uh, we had today. So it sounds amazing. I'm just trying to get Frodo up as well, Frodo. Hey! 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 Welcome. I made it. <laughs> Thank you. One Sorry day we'll get that other account uh, unsuppressed from the server. Hopefully, <laughs> we were just talking about this idea to incorporate more things like data structures and computer sciencey concepts in the front end career path. Per said it might have even led to some heated discussions. I'm not sure if it was the same subject. <laughs> what, what do you What yeah. do you and Cinder and Frodo? What do you think about it since you were part of that conversation? So obviously, I, I can I can uh, admit at once that I, I was the source of the heated discussion. I guess um, I think the the core like the core question that we're trying to work out and figure out all of us is uh, how much of the core core skills do you actually need to become a, a really um, like really skilled developer? And I'm not saying that we're, we're trying to educate everyone to be really skilled from the get go because obviously you won't be really skilled until you have your first job and have like gotten real world experience. Uh, but it is a question about, do you learn, do you want to teach people to run before you teach them how to walk kind of? And there are quite a few subjects. I'm not talking about deep, like binary search and things that you will never use. Like I haven't used any of those myself, myself. but I think it's really important to actually focus quite a lot of the uh, curriculum on on getting a really good grip on the fundamentals of programming. And that's not binary search, but it's more like just the fundamental concepts. What are really, what are variables? How does it work? Like what are control flow in an application? What are statements and expressions? And I, I'm not saying that we're not, we're definitely doing that today as well, but we're just having a discussion of how much should we focus on what and in what order should we actually teach people that? Because I think we're we're kind of afraid to go down of going down that path because uh, it's easy to think of these subjects as kind of boring and not as playful. But I think that's just because people haven't yet managed to make them playful and interesting to learn uh, in the same way that we do with uh, with client side stuff. So uh, yeah, that's just the basis <clears throat> of the discussion, I guess. <clears throat> And on top of that, it is the discussion on sort of angling of, <laughs> at the moment we have the front-end career path <coughs> and to become a front-end developer, what does that even mean today? Because you can be a front-end developer and, and uh, tweak emails and, and send outs or React components, or you can be a front-end developer and build full end-to-end -end systems for startups you know that are very very complex so so the term is also very broad and if you want to do the latter you definitely need uh foundational knowledge on on data structures uh you want to have a strong grasp of of logics and, and, and things you can do with the language probably and performance in in theories and these kind of things so it's very different depending on your aim and and we haven't really decided where where does our front end career path mm start and end I think, I, always, I, think it would have been, 
Sorry, go, go ahead, Matthias. Okay. Uh, I always think it's interesting how all, all of these skills, they, they're so abstract until you suddenly one day come across a situation where you need it. And for me, I, I came across several of those in game development. And I think that's a, a fairly unique field where you, you suddenly you're faced with a situation where uh, one change in, in a loop or an algorithm affects everything that's happening in the game because it's it's affecting like the how many frames per second are you experiencing and and something that you're doing in a completely unrelated part of the code could suddenly make the whole game feel very bad um, and i i'm really curious to see where we can go in terms of all of these topics when it comes to showing um when 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 can you notice that, oh, this is actually an area, like this situation is something where knowing more about the efficiency of indices for, for like a, a database lookup, for example, is useful. Or, or uh, oh, this loop is now log <laughs> like n instead of log out of one, but showing where you can actually uh, come across these areas. I think Scrimba is uniquely, uh, the tech is uniquely positioned to, to show that compared to, to a book where it's really difficult to, to actually see it. Yeah, it would have been so much fun to, to, to create actually computer science or programming uh, curriculum which teaches you these deep and uh, important things, but in a way as far uh, removed from the university way of teaching as possible. And thus, for example, using using a game is, is a brilliant way of uh, uh, engaging people and, uh, in what might sound like boring subjects, which, <laughs> but which actually can be very interesting if, if it's framed in the right way. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah. And actually, Bob and I, we've been thinking about this before. I remember, uh, I, I think it was a year ago or something, where we discussed this. Uh, I think it, we, we called it computer science for boot camp grads or something like that. Uh, or had, had some idea for some kind of uh, lightweight, fun computer science um, uh, introduction. I don't know if you've ever thought more about that, Bob, or, or have any thoughts about that. In general, you, you have taught like, uh, hundreds of students uh, at V school in, uh, and then probably balanced this um, this yourself, like with with a with a kind of more marketable skills on the one side and the more deeper computer science skills on the other side. Yeah, I I've been noticing a trend with hiring that people are focusing less and less on the really intense interview process that does include things like binary search because they're realizing that's not what people are doing on the job anyway. Um, I'm sure that's not universal, but um, I, I agree with, with Sindra that it's probably beneficial to, I guess, almost gamify some of those underlying technology rather than just saying like, you know, let and cons declare variables to actually talk about memory management and, and how variables are stored in the computer and what it means to you know, have something that's um, passed by reference or passed by value. So some of those topics that can actually be applicable to your everyday debugging life. Um, but I've noticed that with bootcamp grads, there's there I from at least from the the little amount that I've heard feedback from, people are getting passed up on jobs more often for more practical, like a lack of knowledge in more practical things, like not having any experience with um, unit testing or end-to-end or -end testing or whatever, <laughs> any kind of automated testing, then they are not knowing how to do a binary search algorithm. Yeah, uh, again, just to, <laughs> uh, the binary search thing is not, uh, was not kind of the, the core the core discussion, I guess it's more just how much do you focus on the on the fundamentals of programming. And I'm not talking about binary search, but just making sure that they understand the the programming part really, really well. And we're I, I'm definitely not saying that we're not doing that today, but it's it's I guess the discussion, to be honest, like the way the discussion started was just 
uh, us sharing our experience experience from talking about Scrimba to people. And there are so many uh, friends and people I know that I've talked to about Scrimba, and there are there are just a huge amount of people, especially that I meet through like. Um, yeah, various activities where they say like, oh, I'm actually now learning programming in my job. And the, the job is not a front-end developer. They're an analyst or they're a, a consultant at a random company. They're a finance person or even like working at the school. And they're saying, we, we are learning programming now. And I'm taking a, a course uh, on, on, uh, on like basic programming. And when I dig deeper, it's always Python. So they're always learning Python, and it seems to be like when you're outside of this web front-end, back-end, full-stack kind of world, there are like a gazillion people who need to learn how to program, and that today actually prefer learning it through Python, because that has kind of, for now, uh, been the, the preferred language to learn general skills, like general programming, to understand the concepts of programming. And the discussion started around that, that I think it's a shame that um, whether it's JavaScript or types or, or uh, Python, we should really, we have, I believe, the best technology possible for actually making it easy for people to learn these concepts. And I think we should maybe uh, try to find a way to to broaden our audience, sort of, to, to let as many people as possible actually learn through this kind of technology. And... Uh, again, yes, there are so many people who are not part of any sort of front-end path, but who are really eager to just learn programming in general. So that was where the discussion started. I would love to, love to hear from people who are listening now, if they could type in the town hall chat, what was the first programming language uh, you started with? I also started with Python. Seems to be kind of like the default starting point. But 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 also uh, there is a push towards <laughs> replacing that with Python. I know that Stanford, for example, has uh, experimented with using JavaScript. No, sorry, push it towards JavaScript. Stanford has experiment experienced with uh, experimented with that, uh, and also Free Code Camp is pushing hard for uh, people to start learning JavaScript uh, as opposed to start with Python. I think it's interesting how in the beginning, it, every single little thing that trips you up can can really, <laughs> it's almost like you can begin spiraling thinking that it's you, everyone else gets it, um, this this thing just doesn't make sense to you, and, and, and uh, um, everyone else seems to be able to get past the point that you're stuck at. And... These can these little things you get stuck at could be anything, right? And I feel like one of the things that JavaScript has uh, going against it for being the first language is that it has a few kind of idiosyncrasies, a few things where you just have to know that it's weird. Like it's it's a little bit weird. <laughs> it's it's a little bit functional, little bit object oriented, little bit of inheritance, little bit of uh, syntactic sugar inheritance, and uh, I feel like in many ways that's a cr cricket machine you can hear behind you. Um, <laughs> no problem. Uh, I feel like uh, Python has a few. It has less idiosyncrasies. Like it. it doesn't surprise you as often all the way in the beginning when it's really easy to to feel like uh, you're failing if you're getting stuck on a few of the syntax errors or a few of the concepts. Still, I feel like JavaScript is so accessible nowadays. I mean, you can literally just right-click inspect element in, your, in any browser and you can start writing JavaScript without needing to install any tools. 
And I think you touched on this slightly, Sandra. One of the one of the best things about JavaScript and learning JavaScript and something we've levitated to at Scrimba is the fact that when you code something, when you jump into module one in the career path, you, you see the outcome of what you build right away. That's so exciting and it's such an important part of learning on Scrimba, sort of seeing what you can do and learning in the process. I think it's so important that we also cover those fundamental subjects. And now the real challenge is going to be sort of tying the technology, the interactive format with the pedagogy, I think, to teach that in the best way possible. It's going to be a challenge, right? But that's, <laughs> I think I think if anybody's up for it, it's Scrimba. Yeah, and I think most of the, like learning these fundamentals are definitely, you can definitely do challenges and puzzles and, and visual tasks that are pleasing to uh, to create and see the result of immediately. You see that with all the, the good Python courses as well, especially like the, the in-person stuff. They're always doing something physical, like with robots or making something move there and there. Or you, you can definitely do, um, uh, yeah, do the same sort of interactivity there. I think, um, yeah. Take, taking the chat in a slightly different direction, we, we did touch on the technology briefly, but I also know that in the last few months, Syndra, you've been working on both some updates to Ember, which is the sort of custom programming language that Scrimba is built in, and, and the origin of the name Scrimba, by the way, for anybody that doesn't know, it's Screencast combined with Ember, the programming language name. Um, that aside, actually, you've also been working on some updates to the Scrimba player, the place that most people here spend a lot of their time. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about what we can expect to change in the future? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the main thing uh, is that we're essentially like rewriting or the, the the big rewrite that you're never supposed to do. Uh, it's kind of not that big, but we're actually rewriting the, the whole player in Imba 2, which is the new version of the language, is, which has kind of, it has a few radical differences that makes it difficult to really just uh, machine translate the whole thing. So in the process of actually upgrading things to Imba 2, we are also uh, adding in a few needed features and improving the interface quite a lot. Um, and the most important thing is that we are laying the groundwork for uh, much more rapid updates from me and the rest of the development mm. team that has now grown in the in the last few months uh, to multiple people. So um, we are going to pair. Are, are we talking at all about like the future direction of peer to peer reviews and all of that stuff yet? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So we are we are focusing. Some of you might already have seen, like a long, long time ago, we had working prototypes of, of a much more uh, interactive uh, Scrimba format uh, for actually, uh, <coughs> where, where you, could, you can essentially like jump into a Scrim and answer it with a, with a, a audiovisual review kind of of, of, the, of the Scrim of someone else. And those people can reply again and you can have these dialogues using the Scrimba format. And we found that to be, uh, we've actually did a research project in Norway in, in uh, schools where we found that the, the value for the students of having a teacher or someone else walk through their code, like actually doing a, a code review uh, in an audiovisual format like Scrimba was a huge, uh, uh, extremely helpful for them. Uh, and it was also very good for the teachers because it was so low effort to do it in this kind of format. So we are bringing that concept uh, to Scrimba in general. Uh, we haven't figured out all the details yet, like how we are going to both incentivize and, and allow people to review each other's code. But we are also probably going to do, like have some of the course creators uh, uh, pull out specific examples of the, of the um, uh, specific solutions of some of the, the projects and then work through that code and, and release uh, those code walkthroughs walk as well as uh, content on the site. Um, and we are changing the career path to add the, like bigger projects. The Is it called solo projects? Solo projects, yeah. yeah. And that is, yes, and that is through those, it's through those solo projects that most of you uh, most likely will experience this peer-to-peer -peer code review um, feature. Because imagine that uh, if, if you've gone through Bob's uh, latest React uh, update he, uh, on his Learn React course, you will have seen these solo, these solo projects, which essentially are 
bigger projects where we remove the training wheels and force you to actually code it up yourself. Because if we don't, if, if we actually so, show the solution, a lot of people will kind of take the, the path of least resistance and just go through Bob's solution. So we actually have to remove the entire solution from uh, the curriculum in order to force people to do it. Uh, and that is per the perfect, um, uh, perfect opportunity to integrate this peer-to-peer -peer review system where you, after you've completed uh, the, the solo project, hit a button like, I want a review on this code. And that is then distributed to the, the, the code reviewers, which are other students who are further, further down in the career path. And they will then do a scrim recording talking on top of your code like hey great job with this but the, you gotta you should use a const here not a let and this loop can be changed slightly and blah 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 and then give you feedback uh, and it's a, it's very experiment uh, experimental uh, it remains to be seen if we are able to actually get high quality code reviews peer-to-peer -peer. but uh, yeah i'm very hopeful that it'll work because uh, yeah, uh, seeing the community and how eager people are to help each other, I think it's, it's definitely not the will uh, that is uh, that is the blocker here. Matthias, you're quite a new face here on the stage. Can you maybe tell people a little bit about what you're working on at Scrimbo? Is it possible it's some of the same things that Parent Sender have been talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah. We are. We're not quite at the at the point where we're starting to implement. It's more in the how can we best deliver this? How can we best do this? So the the full on pro coding on these features uh, haven't begun. Um, at least on the the forward facing parts, like uh, Cinder was going through there. Um, the the plumbing, if you will, or, or kind of the full renovation of the system. Uh, has been going on and and is uh, getting to a point soon where we're able to start doing these these newer <laughs> forward-facing things for the, the peer reviews. So what we've been doing recently on the on the engineering team, we've really been doubling down on how we can uh, really make the most out of the the community. So actually, people who are right here right now. Uh, what a funny coincidence. So <laughs> the the work has been focused on a lot of the connections between the uh, the Discord server and Scrimba. So there are some things coming there um, uh, soon, but essentially we, we really want to make it easier to to go from one to the other, to, to make it feel like uh, they're connected and not completely disconnected, to make it easier to um, kind of be in the community and be part of the community, even when you're going through a, a lesson on scrimba.com. So the, they're kind of separated at the moment and we we're trying to bring them together um, through the, the pumpkin bot and, and through um, various various features that are that are coming soon. Fidulde can can probably share more on uh, on exactly what we can <laughs> what we can tell you yet and, and what's upcoming. Sure. So uh, on on this as well, we're laying some groundwork, just figuring out how we best uh, handle the data between Discord and and our servers. But uh, what the few things that will definitely come in the in the short term is a way to share your solutions from a challenge, whether it's the weekly web dev challenge. Um, uh, or other other challenges we have uh, directly to Discord. We hope to, to get that in. Uh, probably the other way around that you can ask for help and, and get people to jump back into your scrim and, and help you out. But uh, yeah, we're still figuring out exactly what we can do with the API and, and, and how that works. And the Karma system is something we're also looking to upgrade. So at the moment you can get Karma by helping others in the help channels. Um, but we want to exp expand on that and, and, and make other activities also give you Karma. Um, again, maybe that might be the, the challenges that we do. Um, we have a concept uh, or a, an event coming up, the JavaScript uh, which Leanne is leading, which will probably tie into the Karma system in some way as well. Just quickly, what, why do you think people should necessarily care about earning Karma? Like what's in it for the students? 
Well, in general, it means you've been been doing uh, uh, learning to code is uh, both a team activity, and it is doing more than just uh, solving the challenges and doing the the, the doing your own uh, coding. Often, it is working in a team, reviewing other people's code, understanding what other people are doing, and seeing how other people are doing the same thing as you've been doing, but maybe in a different way, and that expands your knowledge of the field, right? So. Um, so that that is the help channels, which was the obvious one to, to give karma for. And, and karma is a way to acknowledge that somebody has been helpful. And we can do that and, and, and build on, you know, giving that uh, recognition. Um, probably we will expand, as I said, on this karma system. So probably it will give you some benefits, whether that is badges or maybe some swag. If you're super helpful, we'll have leaderboards showing, you know, who's the most active people in the community at the moment. Um, so there's a lot of fun things we'll add, uh, both on the site and then in, in Discord. It's almost a shame Abdallah, another engineer here at Scrimba, couldn't join because that's someone who I know has been putting a lot of thought and research into all the different ways that Karma can help motivate students to do the thing you already want to do, right? Which is the code, but hopefully help you establish things like a streak. So you do it every day and make it a habit. Or if you have a sort of bigger, hairier goal, this can just be one extra tool to help you stay on track and be productive. Very, very, very cool. One thing I couldn't help but hear, my ears are kind of heightened to this word after all the excitements around it last year, and that is JavaScriptmas, which I know, Leanne, is something you've been working quietly on in the background. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yay, woo, 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 my favorite time of the year. If I could <laughs> sing, I would sing a Christmas song, but I can't. It is nearly JavaScriptmas, yes. And we are gonna have a launch show on December the 1st to explain properly <coughs> about it, eat mince pies and wear funny hats, Michael. This is news to you, but never mind. <laughs> That's what's happening. Basically, JavaScriptmas is a 24-day JavaScript improvement event that makes it sound more boring than it actually is. You get a coding challenge every single day from the 1st to the 24th of December nearly all JavaScript based, as you'd expect, and a couple of others thrown in. And every day we're giving away a free Scrimba Pro subscription for a year, uh, selected at random from all of that day's entries. And on Christmas Eve, AKA December 24th, we will be giving away a very large cash prize. Yay, woo. And we'll also be doing some other events uh, so our Friday live streams will involve us uh, solving the challenges for the week. And we have a big grand finale on Christmas Eve with a few of us. And yeah, all sorts of things like that. <laughs> who, who else is excited? I can't wait myself. Somebody say mince pies? <laughs> Yay, mince pies. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this as well. Uh, it, it was so much fun last year, and the engagement was just insane. Like we had thousand over over a thousand people, I think, on average, every single day sharing solutions on Twitter. So obviously, something that resonated a ton with our community and and others who don't know about Scrimba uh, as well, who discovered Scrimba through that uh, JavaScript uh, last year. Do you remember the video we made and the live streams around JavaScriptmas? <laughs> yeah, I put on a Chris, like a Santa hat and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you made some epic effects on it. I remember. I feel, I feel like a little bit, a little bit embarrassing, but fun. <laughs> well, I feel like this is a good sign of like a com you know, Scrim has grown so much. You can delegate and rely on some help with wearing the Santa hats. <laughs> Fortunately, Leanne and Michael, you look quite dapper in them, so it's no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great stuff. Are we are we doing a similar sort of stream this year, Leanne? I remember was it was it Christmas Eve we actually did it last year. Um, yeah, ju I think just so. as yeah, are we planning something similar again? Maybe the dates TBD. Yeah, no, it is already scheduled on Streamyard. It's not public yet. Uh, probably make it public on the first of December, but we will be having a Christmas Eve live stream. Woo I'm excited. Wicked. 
And just while we're on the subject of community and things like that, is there anything new you'd like to highlight from the community, Michael, seeing as how you've, I mean, oh my gosh, the newsletter, the, if you don't know, by the way, anybody who's listening, for the last, I think, six, seven weeks, like clockwork, we've sent out a community digest highlighting, some of the, sorry, Bob just shared a funny picture in the town hall chats, um, but in, in, the, in the, excuse me. I'm very easily amused. In, in the community digest, we're sort of breaking down some of the things you might have missed um, in the Discord community, as well as other kind of community highlights and news by Scrimber. What, what stood out to you from last week, Michael? Oh, sorry, I can't. I can't stop laughing. Uh, looking at that, <laughs> I just remembered this as well. I'm so sorry, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's the still. It's the still that makes it. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I have that Santa dress, so I'll, I'll ship it off to whoever will be the Santa this year. Will be you then, Michael. Will it? Yeah, I guess so. You're the one with the beard. Oh, no. That, the... <laughs> you stick the air of Santa well. and uh, it goes, goes on a round trip around the world. Uh, we all have a sticky air as a house with Santa. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, so, um, Alex, you mentioned the community newsletter. Yep, every week uh, I try to basically uh, go around all the channels and try to find uh, the most interesting resources that people shared and stuff. Uh, like last week, I have included um, some resources, kind of like Zines uh, by... Uh, ooh, my, the name is good. Julia Evans. Yeah, kind of like... Designs by Julie Evans, you know, like hand-drawn tips and stuff. Uh, but the, uh, these that someone shared in the resource channel were in Spanish. Uh, so kind of inspired by the designs. And it was quite amazing to see that um, like people really enjoyed it. And uh, I got an email um, thanking me for it. So, yeah, it's quite nice uh, to just help people out and stuff. And uh, if you think that... You know, you, you found something or something happened. Feel uh, free to ping me. I'll try to include that in the newsletter as well. Kind of like I'll try to include uh, if someone got a job, uh, kind of like career tips and questions. Um, at some point, I've included like the uh, conferences that I've enjoyed so far, uh, like remote or in person and stuff. So, yeah, kind of like whatever, to be fair, whatever's on my mind, whatever I noticed, uh, whoever, you know, reacted the most to some particular message uh i just skim those bits through and then include them and obviously all the events that we have in in uh, scrimber so like all the podcasts live streams meetings and so on so i try to include them too 100 percent. i think if you are uh, it's both a good thing and a challenge that scrimber we, we do a lot of events and produce quite a lot of new content podcasts youtube videos and those kind of things the best way to keep up to date with what's happening is probably the dashboard where there's a widget with a calendar but if you're curious about what you might have missed and looking for an opportunity to catch up there's the newsletter is the perfect place for that as well so if you focus on just those two things i think you'll have the best compass possible to utilize scrimber yeah exactly like the dashboard is what's going to happen and newsletter it's what has happened and like some teasers sometimes i do tease a couple of things out i suppose the biggest challenge is like how to keep it short so people don't get bored of it um and yeah it's i i try to be ruthless with like keeping it as short as possible like uh, try to spend extra time to making sure that you know you can swipe it very quickly and like a minute 30 seconds notice whatever you've missed and you're happy that you have received it and you do not unsubscribe <laughs> <laughs> beautiful uh, i think it's it, it's uh, i mean your writing is really good and uh, it's engaging to read uh, so i i think it's my guess is that people wouldn't mind even if it was a bit longer uh, and you could actually also get away with it if you did some some like lists for example because uh, those are super simple to skim and not, uh, and it doesn't feel like a wall of text either. So, Ooh, yes, uh, yeah. uh, I, I think we should experiment with that uh, a bit more, perhaps. I have already started like a plan. Some, I think Leanne shared with me on Twitter. Somebody had a tip about uh, TLDRs, so there will be like a bullet point yeah. list at the very top, uh, like you know, 
if you literally have 10 seconds and uh, you know you're, you're about to leave your train or something uh, you can still read the email and then come back to it awesome yeah great stuff there's a link in the uh, my, my, maybe it's worth repeating the link but it was just above from Leanne the Community Digest link where you can subscribe and get that in your inbox every Saturday or Sunday it's uh, every Saturday uh, but the time varies because uh, yeah I'm, I'm trying I'm experimenting with it a little bit so but it is every Saturday that's guaranteed well actually that kind of depends on your time zone so mm. <laughs> Listen, if there's, there's too many, it might be Sunday morning. There's too many developers in this uh, stage. If we start talking about time zones, I think we'll be here <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, exactly. for a long time, to say the least. All right, let's see if we can address some questions from the chat. We have 15 minutes left, so if you uh, think of a question now that you didn't get a chance to ask earlier, then by all means, please share it. I'd be happy to throw it at everybody here on the stage. Um, much, much earlier on, Jay Hallamide, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, asked, why Scrimba is more focused on front-end development? They're more of a back-end person. I, I would actually like to sort of, um, you know, take take a bit of ownership for this question and and split it up into two parts. And the first part I'd kind of like to address to you, Per, because I know that ideally Scrimba probably would have a back-end sort of component because during some research and planning you were doing, you learned some interesting data about what kind of jobs are in in the most demand as well as what skills that make a really attractive junior developer. And I think it's possible backend was was part of that. And then the second question will be a little bit more about the tech, which I'll address to Syndra after. Yeah. Uh, so well, the answer is that uh, we are going to have backend support, uh, and we've been thinking about that for a long time. Uh, how to implement it? The problem is that it is really tricky to get backend working in Scrimba because Scrimba is running in a frontend, uh, and getting backend to run in a frontend uh, environment is kind of like an oxymoron. It's like it doesn't make sense. Uh, so it's really hard. But as you said, uh, we need it because. Uh, in terms of getting jobs, and that's what we're trying to do here, like people get people to a hireable level. And in terms of that, uh, learning backend is really important, uh, or at least learning the basics of it. I think it was HackerRank who did a survey of um, what kind of developers most companies are looking for, and only 10% of companies are looking for actually just front-end developers whereas something like 60% of companies were looking for either backend or full stack developers. So obviously, if we can also teach people about uh, Node.js or, or another backend technology, uh, it would help our community a lot in terms of getting their, like, uh, their first job in the industry. Sindra, what kind of challenges are associated with getting sort of backend support in Scrimba? So there are tons of challenges. Uh, most of them are, are doable. We've seen that with Stackblitz. They have actually, I think they are definitely the furthest along uh, with implementing real node support in the browser, which is happening in, in web workers and service workers and, and all kinds of magic. Um, the key challenge, I guess, is that uh, the way Scrimba works, we obviously don't record video, we record everything that essentially modifies the state of your um, scrim, your environment, so that when we play it back, we actually just play back whatever happened in the same form, uh, so that you can jump in at any time and take over, and so that you actually get a um, infinite uh, resolution of uh, everything that, that did happen in the recording. And the greatest challenge here is probably that when you talk about Node, there are so many different things people mean when they talk about Node support. Mm. So one thing is just basic support for Express-like uh, or, or a web server just to teach and learn um, requests and responses. How does that work? Like posting from a form, doing an uh, XHR request, all of that. Uh, but also, you obviously need to think about storing things to a database. And when we start dealing with, with these concepts, it does start to become tricky, especially how do you actually 
manage the state uh, and allow people to jump in at any time and make it feel sensible like things need to be in sort of the same state that it was in for the recorder at that point in time and especially when you start talking about databases and and those types of things it starts to become complicated and also um if we choose kind of the easy route to get node going in the browser we might end up painting ourselves into a corner where people actually need more they need a terminal they need or want support for many different uh, packages that won't run in this emulated way. Um, so that's that's kind of the, what the discussions are going about these days. It's what is the best approach for us, um, given the the um, the constraints of each of them. We already for a long time we've had support for actually recording things that includes node but that is just for recording things from your local environment your files a directory on your desktop where you can actually even access the terminal start up a server and and access that this is just uh, on a like internal stage uh, by the way we've had support for that for a long time but the problem then is that you really don't get the big benefits that you get from screen in general because <coughs> even if you can copy paste the code there it doesn't make sense for a viewer to jump in and change things and play around and do these uh, inline challenges. So yeah, most of the discussion is is uh, going around how can we make the the um, support node in a relatively so solid fashion and still retain the magic of Scrimba uh, in the format. You saying that magic is best experienced in in the web browser, sort of independent of your local environment yeah or at least it's it's uh, best uh, it is best experienced when it is possible even if it's an app on your computer it's uh, one of the core concepts is that you should be able to jump in and take over so to speak be able mm. to to experiment and, and muck around with the examples and, and maybe fork them and, and develop them further um, but um yeah, and that's if we want to do that, then we need to go the this probably need to go the stack blitz way, where we actually create a decent emulation of some of the uh, deeper layers behind Node, and uh, and make that work uh, nicely. And just to talk about databases, we are definitely going to get questions about can't we you teach uh, Postgres? Can you teach MongoDB? Uh, we're using this database, and someone else is using that database. And supporting all of these things are extremely hard um, in in the in the constraints that we have with Scrimba. So it might end up that we either need to go like embrace one specific implementation, one specific backend for our courses, like SQLite or something, uh, or maybe even go the path of Replit, where we create our own sort of database that has a decent API that is just meant for teaching people the concepts that they need uh, to then go on and use MongoDB or Postgres or whatever data store in their own projects later on. Um, just just to be like super clear, because I, I think I understand, even, even today, Scrimbo could maybe make a course around building a full stack application and say, hey, use Firebase or Superbase. You yeah. could even use a database hosted, um, for example, DynamoDB or MongoLab or something. That, that that could work, but it would not be possible to, you know, make it part of the actual Scrimba lesson. You couldn't say, hey, here's some data already. Um, go and edit it. Don't worry, you can come back and replay because that would require Scrimba to understand your external dependency yeah, and interface obviously. with it. Yeah, but, but that isn't necessarily a big problem because. I think people can accept that when they jump in the, into the browser and click refresh, then the data may not be there. It is a challenge to set it all up so that everyone will be able to write to their own data store, especially if it's external. Um, but I think it would be much better and more magical if we could do something like me and Fru that have been discussing embracing uh, SQLite. You don't need to know that SQLite is the, the implementation we use. It is basically just SQL. Um, 
But there it would be natural for us because SQLite essentially stores all of the database info in a single file. And there it makes much more sense to actually use the Scrimba format and, and store the database using the same kind of um, uh, stream of, of uh, transforms on the state so that it is actually that way that when you jump into a Scrim, the database will be for everyone will be in the exact same state that it was in for the recorder. Uh, so, sure. yeah. Che had a kind of smart question, I think, which is about, you know, could Scrimba potentially be an electron or desktop app and take a bit more control of the environment? Yeah. So is, that's very likely that we are going that way. Not that we're going away from the web, but that we are also going to support that. Uh, because it will make it much easier for us to integrate more deeply with things like VS Code uh, and also allow people maybe to to just instantly pull up their own local project in Scrimba uh, and be able to get code reviews and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, just I saw someone also mention like in, in, in a mobile app. There is, this is also uh, a place where we should use Electron for... Um, I'm not sure if anyone have used Scrimba a lot on, on uh, phones, especially iOS, but I do know that since we are not using video, since it's, it's just, yeah, it's not video at all, we don't have access to any of the full screen APIs that you get with regular videos. So it's always extremely crammed uh, trying to watch uh, a Scrim uh, on your phone. And if we actually release uh, apps for that, that are essentially just Electron wrappers for the site with some additional features, uh, then we'll, that will also be a much better experience. Um, but yeah. How, how do you feel about a sort of mobile experience for Scrimba, Per? Yeah, I, I mean, it would be great. Uh, not, I don't think the actual editing of uh, scrims would be great on mobile. I'm not sure if you wanted to uh, try to. Uh, probably we wouldn't encourage people to do that to do that at all because uh, it's a very very bad experience. But yeah, having it full screen is important. Uh, and also, since since we're not video, we can and we do to a certain degree kind of position things slightly like we when you watch on a mobile we, we remove the sidebar uh, when it's not uh, in focus and we shrink the mini browser and uh, we've discussed a lot or like i think that was probably in the beginning of scrim but we discussed that a lot because uh, we, we i guess we perhaps thought that mobile would be more important than it has become because today it's not really uh, that important for us. Very few people watch scrims on mobile, uh, but but we discussed a lot on the uh, possibilities there on how to to make the experience be super neat on mobile. Uh, since we have full freedom to reshuffle things however we want based upon whether or not you're watching the the scrim in, in portrait or landscape or and uh, you can perhaps adjust the font size if it becomes too small on your mobile and yeah do these kinds of settings that give give you a smooth experience on mobile so definitely something we should do just a matter of basically uh, prioritizing it alongside all of the other important things uh, we have to do <laughs> 